Uh, there's new questions today about just how much our government, the federal government, has been tracking our movements. According to a new report, Canadians' movements, including trips to the liquor store and the pharmacy, closely tracked through our cell phones or smartphones without our knowledge during the pandemic. That according to a report sent to a parliamentary committee. Here is tech expert Carmi Levy, who joins us now for more on all of this. Hey there, Carmi. Good afternoon. Good to be here, Jeff. Thanks. All right. What more can you tell us uh, about this? What do we know about the uh, government tracking our whereabouts, our uh, movements during the pandemic? So we know that it was the Public Health Agency of Canada that was trying to get a better sense of how we as citizens were moving around during the pandemic. You know, it makes sense. During a pandemic, you kind of want to understand where are people going? What are those travel patterns? How often are they going to the store? At what times? How are they moving between towns and, and regions? And what does that look like? And you know, the outcome of that is, is that it gives the government greater insight uh, into our activities, which can then allow them to shape where they're going to focus resources to help us get through the pandemic. So from a public health perspective, if you're going to deliver the services effectively, efficiently, you need data to do that. You've got to track those activities. And of course, the best way in this day and age is through our phones. All of us carry phones and those phones have GPS chips on them. They can be triangulated between cell phone towers if GPS isn't available. So they're a really rich form of location-based information, location-based data. Uh, the flip side of that is, is that uh, no one was really talking about uh, all of this as it was going on. We only heard about it earlier this year when the contract that the government had made to collect this data with a third-party company called Blue Dot came up for renewal. And, and of course, someone noticed it and said, hey, what's going on? And that, of course, started this entire debate. And so no one is questioning the government's need to use this data, gather it, and use it to shape policy and actions and activities and stuff. But uh, it was all done under the cover of night in the privacy commissioner's office had offered to say, hey, look, we'll look at your plans and your processes and we'll make sure that everything is above board. PHAC said no. So, you know, we're, we're, we're doing the job, but we're not really ensuring that we're protecting the privacy of Canadians. And I think that's what's a little frightening. Uh, you know, going forward, the government needs to have a better framework to ensure that we're not abused in the process, that we, we remain anonymous, that Big Brother does not watch us and right now we don't have those assurances right so should canadians should this be in law that canadians should be made aware that their government might be tracking their whereabouts uh, their comings and goings uh, through their uh, mobile phones and we actually discussed this at length a bit uh, yesterday regarding a separate issue carmy with the former privacy commissioner of ontario and kavukian about an opt-in whether or not we should a be made aware of what is going on with our phones and also, should we uh, either be able to, I guess, opt in or opt out of it? Yeah, we absolutely should. And certainly the, the, the current federal privacy commissioner, Daniel Terrien, is calling for that. And in his testimony to the ethics, ethics committee, he made it very clear there's a regulatory gap. The laws that we have on the books right now simply don't include those necessary protections for Canadians. They don't make all of this as obvious as it should. We don't know uh, what's being tracked. And no one's saying that we're being spied on. No one's saying that someone's standing behind Jeff or Carmi or any of our listeners and kind of watching their lives. All of this information, this data is what's called anonymized. Personal private information is stripped from it. So uh, it can't identify, for example, that you, know, you left your house or that that is your name or that that is your phone or your phone number. But there are no, there's no legislation that 
compels these companies to make sure that the data cannot be reverse engineered back to identify us, which we know can happen, so that the protections simply aren't enshrined in law, and they need to be. And so now we have past privacy commissioners, current privacy commissioners who are essentially saying the potential for abuse is there. We need better laws on the books. And that's why the ethics committee got involved. And that's why these recommendations are being made, because this time no one did anything you know, under the table or underhanded. What about next time? Right. And where is the line? I think that's the other big question here, Carby. I mean, is the line anonymity that as long as you remain anonymous, it's okay for government to be uh, tracking or surveilling your whereabouts? Uh, I mean, I understand what you're saying that, uh, you know, some of this uh, can lead to better policy when it comes to things like public health, particularly during a pandemic. But where is the line between doing something in the name of policy, good public policy and spying, spying on uh, citizens of your country? I think that's probably the most crucial question of all that we need to have answered. And it's hard to answer it right now because there is no one definition here of what constitutes private information. Because we don't have any laws in place or any relevant laws, there is no definition. So my definition might be different than yours, might be different from the ethics committees, might be different from PHAC. And so everyone's got a different sense of what quote unquote private means. And that's a problem because it means that, you know, if, if somebody crosses a line, well, maybe that line isn't there for someone else. And so the, the, the rules of engagement are not clear for everyone. Uh, they're not transparent. Everything is very opaque, which makes it a, a very ripe environment for the kinds of abuse that we've seen globally. Uh, and Canadians should be concerned. We do need better protections. But right now, because of this lack of a definition, we simply don't have them. And they're certainly not on the horizon either. You know, I think another question coming out of this, Carmi, is just how secure is my smartphone? If my government can, <laughs> uh, you know, track uh, my whereabouts without my knowledge, uh, I mean, it uh, just, I think, raises a bunch of questions as to just how secure are, is my smartphone, the data on it, the, the messages? Uh, I mean, how susceptible are you to things like uh, perhaps a uh, ransomware attack, a, a cyber attack, or having your privacy invaded not only by government, but anyone else? Just how secure are these smartphones? Oh, you're not going to like the answer to that one, Jeff. Because the sad reality is, is your smartphone is loaded with all sorts of sensors that are constantly gathering information on the world around it. It's loaded with radios that then share that information with uh, wireless networks everywhere. Uh, it connects to uh, your terrestrial network, so the, the, the company that you've contracted with that you bought the phone from, but it also connects to all of the apps that you've installed, those developers, those companies. Uh, so, you know, it's it's the technological equivalent of a sieve. Uh, and as soon as you turn it on, uh, you know, a, a, an incredibly detailed dossier of who you are, what your interests are, where you travel, what you do, who you connect with can be gathered by someone or someones uh, as long as they're sufficiently motivated. So, you know, sad reality is if we, if we want to have absolute privacy and we don't want this leakage to occur, we've got to get rid of our phones, but it's 2022, that's not going to happen. We have to achieve balance so that we have the utility of this technology, but that we know that when our data is shared, it's shared in an above board, fair manner, and that we are protected from the worst kinds of offenses, the worst kinds of risks that are out there. And right now that's just not the case. Okay, is it fair to say then our smartphones, Carmi, I mean, it's a great way to stay in touch with friends and with uh, colleagues. You need it for business. You need it pretty much for anything and everything, paying your bills, that sort of thing in everyday life. But it's as much a tracking device as it is a communications device. Is that fair to say? 
Uh, it's absolutely fair to say, you know, because if every technology, there, there are sort of two ways of looking at it. There's the bright side, which you've just described, and then there's also the dark side. And if I can use my smartphone to reach out to someone else, then, you know, it goes to figure that that communication channel, that technology can be used in the other direction as well. And someone can track me. And all you need to do is watch, you know, a, a police or law enforcement procedural on television or watch a movie to see how that's done. It's ridiculously easy to track a phone's location these days. And, and because we, are so enamored of the convenience. You know, I love using my phone uh, for navigation, for example. So when I'm in the car, I've got it plugged into CarPlay and I, and I, I can see the traffic and it tells me everything I need to know. Um, but that information in the hands of someone else, they know exactly where I am and what they do. Put that together, take a look at your Google timeline. It's a pretty shocking map of, of your life. And so I think we have to decide and we have to become a little bit more digitally literate about the technologies that we use, particularly smartphones, and what those risks are. And we have to start looking at the settings. Do I want this app, this location-aware app, to be tracking my location? If I'm not using it, maybe I should get rid of it. Maybe I should turn those features off. Maybe I don't need them. We have to start asking ourselves those questions rather than just assuming that we're safe because, in, unfortunately, we're not, and sticking our heads in the sand isn't going to help. Yeah, can I tell you one of the times uh, that my smartphone really freaked me out was a little <laughs> while back. Uh, I know a lot of people get uh, a little freaked out when they've uh, visited a business and then all of a sudden those ads start popping up uh, everywhere they go. But it was with uh, Google Maps. Uh, I mean, we're all creatures of habit. I have a regular appointment on Saturdays that I uh, go to Saturday afternoon. And I got in the car one time and it said, you're 22 minutes away. I had not plugged in the destination <laughs> in the navigation. <laughs> I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah, you, you didn't have to because it builds that, you know, at, over time, people go, you know, who knows me best? And I, my, my flip answer always is my smartphone. Because right. my smartphone's <laughs> always with me. It knows where I go. And over time, it learns. You know, it uses artificial intelligence and machine learning to learn. And uh, of course, Google services are incredibly sophisticated in that regard. Google, in many respects, has made built the template for this. And so it's incredibly convenient, but that convenience comes at a cost. And I think we should be aware of it. That, that cost could very well be our privacy. You bet. Carmi, appreciate the discussion as always. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much, Jeff. You as well. Thank you. Tech expert Carmi Levy. And we're back after this. Stay with us. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.